Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. Where do you start if you want to sell online to customers around the world? Start with Canada Post's Guide to International Shipping. Download your copy at canadapost.ca forward slash international shipping. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show from coast to coast to coast and around the planet. We talk to the movers and shakers of entrepreneurship. And today we are really, really, really pleased to have a Canadian icon, Mike McDermott. Mike is the co-founder and CEO of FreshBooks, the world's number one cloud accounting software for self-employed professionals. Mike has designed FreshBooks to meet the accounting needs of entrepreneurs and self-employed professionals from designers, marketing professionals, plumbers, architects, and everyone in between. Love it. FreshBooks takes care of expenses, time tracking payments, and reports that are professional and cohesive. Like many companies we know and love today, FreshBooks was built on hours of hard work out of a basement. I love those basement stories. Mike created Fresh, uh, FreshBooks as a tool to send, receive, print, and pay invoices. And since then, it has become a well-loved tool to more than 10 million people. Leading a team of more than 300 employees, Mike is passionate about ensuring team members feel connected and engaged at work through implementing strong strategies that make for promising cultures. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Mike about his humble beginnings and why he created a secret competitor company, Bill Spring. That's interesting. Mike, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Thanks for having me, Rivers. 
Yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. So first of all, tell us, what's the end of today's conversation that people walk away and they say, nah, that's what I got out of that conversation. What do you want to happen? Well, I would hope if you're Canadian, uh, you're saying I, I can build uh, an enormous global technology company headquartered in Canada, too, and, and make it something I'm proud of. Yeah, I, you know, that's an interesting point because I mean, I, uh, I, you know, you, you ask somebody from the UK, you know, who's your, who's the entrepreneur icon? You talk to people in the United States, who's, who's the entrepreneur icon in your, in your country? And for us, we're just, we just don't talk about these great successes like your company that are in our backyard to look towards to be. Uh, to uh, I'd go one further and I say we've got tall poppy syndrome. Like you know, I know nobody loves the telcos, but if you think about something, someone like Ted Rogers. Like what he built is nothing short of extraordinary. And if he was an American, he would be applauded. Uh, As a Canadian, everyone wants to tear him down. And it's, uh, you know, it really does hold us back. So I'm hoping that, you know, the next generation of Canadians has a mindset shift. And we think about, uh, you know, rather than tearing things down, it's like, how do we build these things? How do we celebrate them? Because, you know, it does take uh, it does take support from people to make these things happen. Nonetheless, we have many great stories uh, in this country. We do for sure. And yours is one of them. So I want to dive into that quote unquote humble beginnings and uh, kind of chat about, you know, what was that, what was that light bulb moment where you said, I'm going to clear up my basement and do this. Can you take <laughs> us on that journey? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure we ever got around to clearing it out completely, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, to be honest, it, uh, I was uh, not even living at, it was my parents' basement. I don't know if I mentioned that part, but no. um, I, I didn't start the business there. So I was living, I was doing some freelance work. I was working from home, but you know, renting an apartment in Toronto. Uh, saved over an invoice one day for this small firm that I had, and I said, there's got to be a better way. I was using Word and Excel. I'd studied accounting in undergrad, but I did not want to use the accounting software that was available for small business because I found it uh, too cumbersome and confusing and slow. And so I built something. Uh, to bill my clients. And that's that's where I got going. And then we ended up moving into my parents' basement for three and a half years to 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 get things underway. But you know that was because we were uh, we were having a lot of fun uh, trying to create a company. Talk to me about your first customers. what uh, what was the kind of the conversation that you had with them that is maybe different than what you're having with your customers today? Well, I think when you are building a new technology. So we were cloud before cloud. Like the the name cloud had not been arrived at. And this is like we were so early and so pioneering that the industry didn't have simple terms that people could could even understand uh, what you were with that way. And so by virtue of that and being that early, we were dealing with a lot of early adopters at that point. And so they kind of loved the technology and they would they would love the fact that you can do this, you know, online or what have you, which, you know, you know, most people are, are still doing it by, by desktop. And right. so, uh, so that was the conversation. And, and to some extent, you, you could argue it hasn't changed a whole bunch. I think, um, you know, I think people have a little more, it, it's not enough to just be in cloud now. The expectations are, are sort of growing as they do in any category over time. And uh, you speak with lots of folks who are still like, oh, you can do that in the cloud. But then you have, you know, your early adopters are now like, well, you know, we should have this and this and this. And they're just a little more progressed. But largely the conversation is the same. And, you know, our sort of net promoter scores and all those things are still extraordinarily high with, uh, with many happy customers. 
So I want to I want to get into into that piece because uh, you know you're you're you've talked about a lot of things that are similar, but then your uh, your results with your customers are high. So how do you differentiate yourself in in a you know in a car versus car uh, world where well yeah, it looks the same? How do you how do you really differentiate yourself? Yeah, I think you have to choose to play a different game, um, and that can be a very subtle thing. And so I had the good fortune to have an advisor who taught me something about marketing early on. And he he said, listen, focus on a niche. He was not from technology, but this is actually the technology playbook. <laughs> uh, he was from like oil and gas when he learned this lesson. But he was like, focus on a niche and continue to serve that niche. And the day you think you've served them entirely and you need to move on to the next one is the day you need to double or triple or quadruple down just serving that niche. Mm-hmm. And you'll find you, you just keep going. And so what we did, and, and people don't know this, but you know, for the first seven years of the business, we just targeted web designers. Okay. That was it. And why them? Well, we were familiar with them. They were using our product. You know, we were part of that community. We found them online. They were finding right. us. And, you know, I I built it for myself. And so, you know, that was the kind of yeah. business that, that we were serving. And, you know, it, it turned out that as we focused on that one small niche and there's, you know, maybe like, I don't know, a hundred thousand of those or something like that. Um, other people would sign up and find us. And so this is the thing that people don't generally understand about marketing is, um, you know, by, if you focus on a very small focused customer, you'll still end up getting all these people you didn't intend to using your product Mm. if you build it sort of simply enough and what have you. And so, and then you're also building sort of mind share in a segment. And once you have that you know, mind sure you can move on to other segments. And so that was, um, anyways, so that's what we did. And, and I guess to get maybe a little more specific around, you know, your question at the start, what we decided to do was, uh, focus on trying to keep our product simple, um, to internalize the belief that if you serve everyone, you serve no one well. And so we said, listen, we're not even going to pretend to serve all the market. And we just focused on businesses that sent invoices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we said, listen, if you're in retail or you're a restaurant, we're not for you. Okay. But everybody else, you know, businesses that, that send invoices to clients, you know, we very much are. And we've expanded over the years, you know, our capabilities, but continued with that, that focus. And I think that focus has helped us keep our product simpler, a better fit for our target customers. When they come to our site, they can see, oh, you're not for everyone, you're for me, all these right. multiplicative benefits. And it's still, it's a huge market. It's more than half of the small business market. Um, yeah. I love it. It's, and you, you mentioned a few times in that answer the word serve. Can you can you kind of, I and mean, I'm sure that permeates through the culture of your organization. Um, can you talk a bit, uh, Mike, on how that servitude attitude permeates throughout your organization, which is no small organization? Well, um, I, you know, I would say, uh, you know, I hadn't been aware that I'd used that word so many times, but it, it is deeply ingrained here at FreshBooks. So we are... Um, you know, I'll go ahead and say like just a world class and we have been a service organization for, for many years right now. We believe our customers, people who go out on their own and take on that journey are, are actually very poorly served by, you know, the, the companies and the offerings and the entities that are out there today. Um, and uh, we've won all kinds of awards of distinction for extraordinary customer service. Um, but, you know, to get it, well, where does that come from? It obviously comes from me. <laughs> 
I, I built my prior business all through word of mouth and my clients because we just delivered so well for them for, for years uh, consistently. And that's tried to build that into FreshBooks again. I, I sort of don't know another way. Um, but, but we also do something interesting, which is everyone spends their first month in customer service. And ah. so no matter who we bring on board, whether you're an executive team member and you used to um, – uh, spend hundreds of millions of dollars for U.S. tech companies a year, and you know now you've got to come and uh, work inside FreshBooks. And uh, whether you're starting there or you, um, you know, are a support rock star as we call them, um, everybody starts there. Spends their first month there. You learn the product, you learn the customer, you learn the culture, and we believe that's a great foundation for you. Uh, but it also has this: you get sort of fingerprinted with with this culture of service. Where does the uh, Skype name McDazzle come into this? Oh, it's it's not actually Mc, McDazzle. That's one one letter off. But um, <laughs> you know, I was trying to McDizzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, potatoes, something for... like that. Yes. Um, there's there's no rhyme or reason other than I uh, it was available. Uh, <laughs> it's a combination of things. So yeah. Now your marketing guy would kind of slap you on the wrist on that one because it was available. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So talk a bit about um, uh, you know. Uh, how do you what, what are the deeper uh, strategies you put in place to make sure that that culture that you've worked so hard in is is maintained and and strengthens itself well i think that's where you get into you know a journey of a thousand tweaks um you know, I, I believe that culture is a product and um, you're constantly curating it and hacking it and changing it and things of that nature. But it, it's often very soft and very squishy. And I didn't understand this very well um, when I was starting out. It was a big mystery to me. I knew culture was important. I wanted to scale it. I see that as the challenge of FreshBooks is how do you grow and maintain that, you know, extraordinary culture. We were, you know, the top employer in Canada, under a thousand employees, great places to work competing with like Google and all those five folks in I think it was 2015, number four in 2016, number seven in 2017. So top 10 for three years in a row. Like how do, how do you sustain that? Right. Um, the, uh, um, and, and that it, like, it just becomes something you have eyes on and have, uh, you know, um, you're, you're constantly working on. So here, here's a small thing. I, I have some beliefs around the kind of environment people want to live in. And I guess it starts there. It's like, Hey, okay. I, I think people want to live in a, and work in a place where they show up and, you know, they know people, you know, it's a friendly and inviting environment. Let's just go with that. So you're more inclined to want to go to work. If you feel connected to people, it's friendly and inviting, Full stop. And so, um, you know, we do little things like um, we're over 150 people. That's kind of a place where those niceties and like humans are kind of programmed to deal well up to 150 people greater than 150 people. They, you know, they don't really know how to socialize as well. And so I noticed, um, you know, really around 150 people. I walked down the hall for the first time in like 10 years and, and somebody was like looking at their feet when they passed me by. Prior to that, everyone had their heads up, say hello. And so so we instituted a little rule, which is like when we pass people in the halls, keep your head up, say hello. You don't need to, you know, uh, and we did another thing where if you meet somebody um, and you don't remember their name, like you're not expected to remember their name. Um, right, I mean, ho right. hopefully you do, but there's basically like no penalty if you can't remember somebody's name. Just, But we have a default to introduce yourself. So if there's somebody new in the building, you haven't met them introduce yourself, try and remember the name. But if you don't next time, you know, no points lost. And so, you know, 
these kinds of things just you know set up conditions where people are more inclined to say hello um, where you know there's there's nobody's gonna you know call you out on the court if you can't remember the 275th person you've met like that's not the point right like right, you're right. familiar good to see you have that thing go by the way what's your name again yeah okay great All right so um, that's uh, I don't know the but we're, we're very deliberate about that right and it's because you know I want to work in an environment that um, you know where I feel like you know, people, you know, might know me and I know them and I, I believe other people feel the same way. Yeah, no, it, 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 well, those little details are important with any type of relationships that you have with your on your personal life or your professional life. So, you know, I love that reinforcement. One of the I, I heard Richard Branson, what he does, and this is this alludes to the hundred, how tough it is to continue on and maintain a culture of creativity, entrepreneurialism, uh, you know, connection and so on. He says he typically breaks down his companies once they get up to 100 and says, no, nope, now we're going to bring her back down to 50 again because it's so hard to do what it is that you're doing. But it's detail oriented oriented that's driven by a dna which is obviously uh, led by you when you talk about your co-founder um can you uh, can you give us a little overview of the of that person Do which one i have two okay uh <laughs> let's go with your favorite <laughs> uh, well then i have two <laughs> <laughs> good answer go uh, with the one that came first okay i can go with the one that came first that's pretty straightforward so his name's joe he's actually um uh, doctorate of computer science, and he is a professor at the University of Guelph now and has been for some time. And Joe uh, never really worked uh, with us full time. It was two or three days a week in the earliest days. But Joe's superpower was he could just get more done faster than anybody. And when you're sort of starting a company and, and getting it going, like, and you have no resources, um, that is a huge, huge thing. And so we would not be here today without Joe's early efforts. And he's still, you know, involved with us. We're good friends. We we meet up all the time. We like go on holidays and stuff together. But but um, uh, but Joe is not day to day involved in the business. Who's your, who's your other co-founder? Levi, who is day to day involved, and you know we've sort of sat next to each other for you know the better part of <laughs> twenty years now. Not yeah. not twenty years, but uh, you know the better part of. So. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, we were out last night uh, playing tennis of all things. So, um, nice. uh, you know, sort of good friend Levi is is sort of the the sort of yin to my yang. Uh, yeah. I you know probably like I'd say the three of us are highly complementary. You know, Joe right. is sort of the technician, Levi is kind of the manager, and I'm sort of the, the entrepreneur, if you will. And so Levi would be especially in those early days, in those basement days, really organizing things in my wake. <laughs> Uh, right. helping keep them on the line. And, you know, uh, as one thing I learned and, and Levi was kind of a proof point for this is there, there are people who love to do the things you hate, uh, mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. and, you know, and by the way, they're also usually much better at them than, than you would be. And so he, uh, there's a key in here to really try and compliment yourself. Like don't try yeah. to find somebody who's exactly like you try and find somebody who picks up, uh, where you leave off and, and vice versa, because you know, that that's the making of a stronger team. I, I, I think that point is really important. I used to run a, a restaurant chain that was across Canada uh, with a co-founder. And I always said, if you found me in the kitchen cooking, get out. The business is going down. I just hated to cook. And the chef hated business. And it worked out great. We were a great team. But I, I, wanted, I wanted you to talk to, if you could, those beginner startups who 
who are typically go for the co-founder and typically go, oh, well, you know, you, you've got a social media account, you do, you do Facebook, but what are some of the ways they can interview each other to find out if that complimentary piece happens? So it goes beyond just, Hey, you're my best buddy, Mike, let's you and I go do some business together. Yeah. So how, how do you get there? So I think I got to uh, talk about what success looks like to me and how do you work backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think the thing to remember is, you know, I have probably spent more time with Levi over the past 10 years than I have, if we don't count sleeping, like with my wife, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you gotta, you're going to be spending like so much of your waking time with these people um, that, that like – you really want to make sure that there's a good, I would say, like values fit between you, um, because that will will undo mm. you. So I think where I see people go wrong is they hire somebody for like a technical capability, right? Um, my, my guess is you and your your chef co-founder, you have very different technical capabilities, but you know there's a value set uh, and yeah. an underlying trust that 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 worked out really well. And so I would solve for that almost above all else. Love it. You want somebody who has some capability. And then, you know, I think the, then you go to like the acid test. And I've thought about this uh, a couple different ways is, you know, one of them is, um, you know, if if you call that person at three in the morning, uh, are, are they going to pick up the phone? Uh, and then there's the other way around, which is if they called you at three in the morning, are you going to pick up the phone? Right. <laughs> right? Uh, that to me is like, you know, do I have confidence in that? And, and then the final way I've heard it said, and maybe it's better than a 3am call is, you know, if, if, uh, you can invite them over for breakfast with your family and it's not weird, that's a yeah. good, uh, that's a good, uh, co-founder. So, um, I, I think the squishy stuff really matters. Like you're going to leave fingerprints on all this stuff. And, you know, one thing I've learned over the years is the only role that's going to be run by a founder at scale is maybe the CEO and maybe not even, uh, everything else will be professionalized. So, you know, some portion of, of, of your founding team is, is going to, if you have success, probably get you know, you're going to hire somebody who's better. And that's, that's my job now is I hire all kinds of right. people who are better than me at everything. Um, so, but, 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 you know, Levi and Joe's fingerprints are all over this place. Like it's, right. you cannot underestimate the intangible effect of who those founders are. And, you know, I probably maybe one of the stronger voices in there, but Joe is a strong personality. You know, Levi is a, um, a subtle, but uh, very important uh, force around here. Uh, and so I, you know, anyhow, just, just solve for that squishy stuff. Yeah, I love it. And you, by the way, you said squishy about three times now. So you add that to service, dude. You've got a, a little alliteration happening, my friend. It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Um, Mike, uh, what do you do with your co-founders? And why I want to talk about this is because this is becoming up more and more of a topic these days in the, in the world that I'm hanging out with at the audience. And what about the, the you know that tough decision where you and and Joe and Levi are at odds? Uh, how do you how do you deal with? I got to make decisions got to be made do you as the ceo yeah. they just give you that ability you get to make it man well so you know the earliest days it was just joe and i and we would have knockdown, drag out kind of fights over like and, and like they were never personal okay uh but they were deeply impassioned about the smallest of details <laughs> <laughs> uh, we both kind of like to like argue a point, I guess. So, so that would go on way, way too long. And, and that was okay at the start, wasteful, drained a lot of batteries, but also kind of got you buying in. 
what happened over time was it became uh, problematic that we didn't have a way to make a decision. And so, um, you know, what I found is I think you're going to have certain domains where you just have to give each other the chance to say the last word, right? And you have to anoint somebody who um, who can actually make a decision. And that, you know, we had this happen with product decisions where, you know, we would have seven people opine on something and then, you know, and then the media, like, we'd finally get to an answer. I'd be like, oh, thank God, we're moving on. And then somebody else would be like, but what about, and it would all open up again. And so we had to bring somebody in and they said, you need a design dictator, somebody who can make the last word, listens to everybody. Okay, that's important. Right. Whoever, yeah. if you're going to be responsible for an area, you have to listen. You can't be closed and just my way or the highway. Um, yes. But uh, if you have that trait, then um, and you have the domain knowledge and you're the expert there, then you make the calls. Right. Right. I love it. Yeah, we did the same sort of thing. It worked beautifully. So you have those heated debates, but ultimately someone's designated with the expertise. So that's that's very cool. Mike, you started Bill Spring, which is a <laughs> the script, a secret competitor, which is no longer now a secret competitor because this is going across the air. But uh, why did you do that? What, did you, what were you hoping to achieve with, with starting a secret competitor? Well, um, in a very concise version, because uh, I know we're tight on time. Um, we decided to rewrite and reimagine and redo our software platform. And, you know, I remember going from XP to Vista and then trying to clamor back to XP and said, you know, I, I didn't really want that to happen, uh, with our customers. And so we decided so that we could test out our new offerings so we could have, uh, a set of conditions where our team could take enormous risks, where we could ah. be hidden from competitors. We said, why don't we create a secret company? We'll build our new product there, and then we'll just kind of acquire it and bring it into our own thing. And that's that's what we ended up doing. Uh, so we built a company called Bill Spring. That's where we built the new version of uh, the new Fresh Books because you know we'd been around for ten years and it was time for something like that. Um, and, uh, and then we just kind of brought it back into the, the fresh books fold. And now that's what anyone who you know, signs up for fresh books gets. That's so brilliant. I love it. I love it. Um, Mike, this has been an amazing conversation. Can you give me one more, uh, one more gold nugget? Do you have, do you have children? I do. All right. So, and what are your children's names? Uh, Robbie and Valerie. Robbie and Valerie. It's another secret with Bill Spring. So Robbie and Valerie are sitting across from you, and you're only allowed to give one piece of advice from your journey with FreshBooks to them in order for them to be successful as an entrepreneur. What would you choose? I would say be true to yourself. Um, I, I think you can make, you know, compromises that, you know, build on top of each other and get hard to recover from. And so, uh, to the extent you can, you can be true to yourself, like try your best, push yourself, but you know, when it comes to decisions, be true to yourself. Uh, and I think that that, uh, in the long run will not fail you or your loved ones. Yeah, that's very cool. And hence the reason you're going to be able to sleep at night also. Very nice. Mike, uh, I sorry, I did have. Uh, I thought that was one last question, but more curious: Does your team are they all located in Ontario? Or? I, I am uh, sad to say we've reached that scale where um, uh, we have people 
cross-border now. As our leadership gets more and more senior, I find that the talent for this industry doesn't yet exist in Canada. And while we've recruited some uh, to to work here full-time, we also have some people who uh, are uh, sort of part-time in Toronto and part-time remote. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. You know, you talk about those Ted Rogers. Well, there's the Mike McDermott's also that people need to hang out with. Can they find you on LinkedIn and uh, hang out with you? I'm probably better found on Twitter, at Mike McDermott. Um, I am on LinkedIn, but I'm a sporadic uh, visitor to that social network. And um, uh, But I'm there. Not too hard to find if you go looking. And to spell your last name, because it's, uh, there's yep. some different ways of doing that. Uh, it's Mike, M-I-K-E, and then McDermott, M-C-D-E-R-M-E-N-T. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Keep rocking. Keep being amazing for all of the aspiring Canadian entrepreneurs that are uh, loving what you're doing. Well, thanks very much for having me, Corbett. And uh, hey, folks, uh, uh, there's a big world out there. Think outside Canada. That's uh, the thing I'd like to leave you with. And, and don't, don't, don't go cutting down those tall poppies. They need to grow, too. <laughs> I love it, dude. <laughs> Have a good one. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 